So the stock market hated the labor market numbers, but only because the Fed is going to hike rates because there was no reason not to, even though most of the labor market numbers kind of looked like recession. Then we had OPEC cutting back oil price or cutting back oil production, which will lead to, at least in the short run, higher oil prices, which means, as you know, more rate hikes, even though OPEC is responding to what looks like global recession. And then we had other data during the week, including the ISM's non-manufacturing PMI, which wasn't weak enough, which means, of course, more rate hikes, even though some of the internals, along with the S&P Global's non-services PMI, which looked like recession. So we had a week which was totally bipolar, where everything points to both rate hikes and recession at the same time. Joining me today, as always these weeks, Mr. Steve Van Meter. We've got a lot to a lot to recap this week, particularly in how ambiguous everything, or at least how ambiguous everything seems to be from the mainstream focus, which is always about the Fed, the Fed, the Fed, rate hikes, rate hikes, rate hikes. And before I let you speak, Steve, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. And if you are watching this on Emil Kalinowski's uh, YouTube channel, you're going to want to want you're going to want to wander over to the Eurodollar University channel because only for the time being will we be putting these uh, these videos on both channels. So if you want to continue to watch Eurodollar University, go over to the Eurodollar University YouTube channel. And if you're just listening to us on a podcast, you don't have to do anything. They'll continue to be on Apple and Spotify and everywhere else. So, Steve. Ambiguity. We've got rate hikes and recession at the same. What a what a wonderful, interesting time of, to be alive, right? You're, you're right. It is because we look at the markets, right? How did the you know, stocks went down and interest rates went up? So certainly it must mean something's going on. But let's talk about this payroll thing. I think that's a great place to start off our recap here. Is when we look at the numbers, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll let you recap them in a moment. But when when I look at the payroll now, before I studied macro and started following you and a lot of the other experts, I would look at this payroll data and I would think, like the Fed is thinking, "Wow, look at how great the economy is." Boy, something must I, I must not be seeing it right because I look around and eh, things don't look quite that good. But wow, look at that payroll number. There's got to be a rate hike here. But I think the real key, there's two things we want to talk about, Jeff, is not only the trend in the non-farm payroll report, because if we talked about in the past, this is a very smooth report. So if you see outline numbers, and we did a couple months back that, you know, 500 plus thousand number, what happened? You could almost just smooth it, take it away. It's as if it didn't even exist. But it's the household survey. Let's dig into what's going on with the household survey, because I know you talk about how that oftentimes can give us a clue to where the non-farm payroll report's headed. Yeah, the smoothing of the establishment, even with the smoothing, I think that's the, that's to me what was um, what was really noteworthy about the payroll report is that even when you look at how the uh, the statistical issues behind the establishment survey, still at plus two sixty three for the month of September, that was the lowest since April of last year. So on the headline payroll report, the, the number that everybody pays attention to, you're still getting the deceleration. So the headline stuff t confirms what we already knew is that the labor market, like the economy, has slowed down. But where it doesn't help is it doesn't tell us what that actually means. It still could mean, as we believe the Fed will interpret, that the labor market is doing nothing more from than transitioning from red hot to stable, like they want it to. And this data does do, does nothing to nothing to disprove that theory. But it also could mean 
the economy is slowing down from some other some other level and continues to slow down and slow down some more. And next thing you know, we're in recession. So what I look at is, okay, the headline survey, we've got to slow down, or the headline number, we've got to slow down. Let's look at the household survey. And one of the key numbers in the household survey is full-time employment. As you, I mean, Steve, that's one of the things you talk about all the time is that, look, you're a business owner. The last thing you want to do is let go of employees if you don't really have to. And most, employ- and most employers are really optimistic to begin with. They, they want to be optimistic. And so when, when confronted with any kind of weakness or any kind of uncertainty that, they, that forces some sort of response, like you know, softness in the revenue, cost pressures on, the, uh, on their income statement, you know, they might have to do something, but they don't want to immediately go to mass layoffs right away. And so what we've seen since March in the household survey is full-time employment has declined slightly. Now it's up and down in various months in the, for the month of September, the amount of full-time employment rose by 300,000, but that's after falling by 400,000 since March. So it's relatively lower. And what you find when you go through history, uh, the history of recessions is that each and every recession, prior to each and every recession, we see the same thing happen. Full-time employment goes up and then it hits, it's like it hits an inflection point and then it goes sideways. It doesn't go immediately into recession and contraction. It goes sideways for many months, usually nine, 10, sometimes up to a year. And that's what we've seen in the household survey this year. So the establishment survey, kind of ambiguous, except that it says slow down. And the household survey is like, no, no, no. This, there's no ambiguity here whatsoever. This is the transition phase between expansion and contraction. So we have one survey, the household, effectively telling us the labor market's running into a wall. And then we have the non-farm payroll report, which we can kind of predict if if indeed everything is slowing. We're going to talk about some data here in a moment that might indicate the economy is slowing, that we could see before the next Fed meeting, which there will be another payroll report, is we could see a number with a one in front of it. And that may not be enough to give the Fed cause to pause. But if the trend continues, we could see by December perhaps a goose egg, maybe even slightly negative, and then going into next year, at this point, we see the Fed completely on the wrong side of the trend. Now we see payrolls going negative, they being in tightening mode, and that's not exactly what the economy needs right now to get the things turned around is higher rates. And Jeff, we kind of started out the show, you mentioned that maybe an indicator that's telling us that the economy's slowing, that will lead to probably more rate hikes, is what's going on with OPEC because we've seen oil prices kind of zip up higher here, but the higher oil prices, that doesn't necessarily bode that the economy's booming. Yeah, and it's funny. We were, what was it, just the early part of August when President Biden was in Saudi Arabia, you know, the whole thing about the fist pump and their, you know, OPEC was going to do a symbolic 500,000 500, uh, million or 500, was it 500,000 500, barrel per day? A rate cut or production cut, rate cut. Yeah. The rate cuts are coming. That's the Fed, not the OPEC. So the production cut. Where did where did those or production rise? Excuse me, because the the, the U.S. wanted oil prices to go lower. Well, then everybody got what they wanted. Or the U the WTI benchmark went from 120 something in mid June all the way down into the 70s, and all of a sudden OPEC is like, wait a minute. Now all of a sudden. Production hasn't changed. You look at the U.S. production numbers. You look at the global production numbers. Um, Nigeria and Russia in particular are still way behind on their quotas. Supply has not changed. And for, for prices to soften as much as they did, including gasoline prices in the U.S., I've talked about that a lot before. Gasoline usage in the U.S. is way down on average around 2020 levels. 
So what we're saying here is, again, <laughs> ambiguity. On the one hand, OPEC says we're going to cut back on production by up to maybe two million, or at least a quota will be cut by about two million barrels per day, which is more than symbolic. And of course, as you said, Steve, oil prices go up, which means contrib contributes more to CPIs, contributes more to the justification behind the Fed's rate hikes. But at the same time, OPEC is, is confirming that something's not right with the real economy. So we've got the two, again, we've got rate hikes and what looks like global recession in the same thing. Yeah, and it's interesting because we are, and we're not going to focus on the CPI in today's show because we'll talk about that next week. But, you know, crude oil, gasoline prices are a big key contributor. And we know at least on a year over year to change that number's down. But there's perhaps something that isn't as ambiguous that is telling us that perhaps the payroll report is maybe a little too optimistic. Perhaps the move higher in oil is a little too optimistic. And that was the ISM data and the S&P global data, because to me, if I memory serves, Jeff, the employment data actually, the, or the uh, subcomponent, didn't look like there was a booming labor market there. And perhaps there's some, some things going on in the ISM and the S&P global that you could share with us. They're telling us the economy isn't all that great. Well, again, you know, the ISM, the, the non-manufacturing, the manufacturing survey, which came out earlier, was worse than people expected because, I mean, we've talked about an inventory the whole time, but it was the service, the services index, which I think got most people's attention, almost because that's what the market wants to focus on. You know, it's more rate hikes, right? And so the ISM non-manufacturing index fell by just a touch. And so it wasn't as bad as many people were fearing because the, the thought was maybe the ISM's non-manufacturing would join S&P Globals, which is already below the 50 mark. And because it didn't, it sort of gave, you know, again, this ambigu ambiguous signal that maybe the economy's not as bad as we hope it is. You know, maybe it isn't as is, is, is far, it hasn't deteriorated as much as it would take for the Fed to actually turn around and stop, which, I mean... At this point, you and I both know this, Steve, that the, the Fed is they're looking at the unemployment rate and the unemployment rates a lagging indicator at best. And some of the unemployment numbers in the ISM and the S&P Global and things like that. Ambiguity. There's no real you know, there's no real number that you could say, OK, this is definitely recession, nor should we expect that to happen, because that's not how these things work. Like we just said with the uh, household household survey and the full time employment number. It's not like you just flip a switch. You don't go from from uh, expansion right into contraction as if you know somebody turned the knob from from uh, ten to zero. That's not how it works. We go through this transition phase, and the funny thing is, this transition phase is is, is much different, much more different than uh, others in the past because of consumer prices, because of the Fed saying we're going to focus entirely on, as you say all the time, Steve. All of these lagging indicators like the CPI coming up this week or the unemployment rate or all the all these other numbers that are facing backwards. And then you've got all these forward things that like the OPEC and the some of the employment numbers that aren't the payroll figures that are that are looking much softer, looking at uh, suggesting that the uh, the uh, direction moving forward is going to be weaker still. Yeah. And I think the key point for our viewers are is. Again, this wasn't a normal expansion. We had this long expansion. Then we had the economy slowing down, looked like we're headed to recession. We have a pandemic, a massive fiscal and monetary response. The economy surged higher. We're slowing down from really high levels with a massive withdrawal of fiscal and monetary stimulus to the degree we've never seen 
an overcooked economy with such a rapid withdrawal policy stimulus at the same time. So is it going to fall off a cliff? No, not right away, because there's enough momentum behind the economy. Again, it's, it's, it moves real slow. And then all of a sudden, then you start to see a wall form. And we haven't seen it yet. And we may not see it by November when the Fed meets, but I have a hunch with this big inventory build sitting, you know, going into the holiday season, Jeff, and the economy slowing down and high interest rates, we're starting to see signs that perhaps that the wall is coming soon. And maybe, maybe it's not in November, but we could see the Fed start to back off real big by in December or perhaps if not early into next year, because that wall is coming. There's no way to avoid it. This, but we're just going to slow down gradually and then all at once. Yes, I think, you know, there's two inflection points when we get into any contraction. There's the expansion into this ambu ambiguous period where the expansion sort of loses its momentum. And then you kind of coast for a little bit where everything kind of goes sideways. You know, it's is it growing? Is it just a temporary soft patch? Like back in, you know, how everybody said 2019 was going and then COVID interrupted. So we don't really know how that was going to go, although I had my hunch that was going to be a recession. But either way, you know, I think we saw that first inflection from expansion or in the case of, of 2021, rebounding from the 2020 depths of, of recession. We saw that in March when oil prices went up, the classic oil supply shock, price shock case. And now we're waiting for that second inflection that transitions from this transition phase into the actual recession phase. And a couple of quotes that caught my mind. I know you've talked about this before, Steve, too, is what FedEx said. Um, but what FedEx said, I think people, you know, they focused on global recession. But what what the CEO actually said was things really deteriorated later in the quarter. And then they just had another earnings announcement on top of that earnings announcement just last week, too. And there was another there's a couple other ones in the shipping industry. As we know, uh, shippers have been cutting prices. They've been blanking sailings. They have been they've been canceling uh, uh, ship uh, shipments by the bucket load when recently. So I'm wondering if we're starting to see that second transition recently. Of course, that's not going to show up in the payroll report for September, nor is it going to show up in the payroll report likely for October. As you said, Steve, that's kind of that lagging stuff down the road. But I wonder if we'll see some of this other, you know, not just sentiment data, but, you know, factory data, maybe retail spending data that starts to soften up before then. So final thoughts, Steve? Yes, I want to add one more thing to the wall that the economy is going to hit. We had the consumer credit data come out on Friday. One thing that I think about, Jeff, is, you know, we've no, and I want people to understand that when you see periods of high inflation and people look, wow, look at all these people borrowing, that must be a good sign. Not necessarily. You have to understand that people are charging their lifestyle because they can't keep up with their incomes, not keeping up with prices. The concern I have is not just with this inventory build, not just what, what FedEx is saying, but what happens when these credit cards hit that limit, the max out limit, and the banks say, hey, we're not extending any more credit. Then you have the consumer now forced to cut spending. Then when that day comes, watch out. Yeah, that's the same thing in 2007. You got the transition phase. What do we see in 2007? Large increase in revolving credit. So good point, Steve. Let's let's leave it there. Thanks for joining us as always. Uh, special thank you to the Eurodollar University members. Remember to check Steve and I out. You can, uh, Steve and uh, our, our uh, research products at marketsinsiderpro.com. And you can also find out everything we're doing at eurodollar.university too. So see you again next week, Steve. Take care. I'll look forward to it, Jeff. Thanks.